the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. You can hear the program each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and WFIL.com. AM 560 WFIL.com and on the app, you listen to the Tim DeMoss Show. Thank you for tuning in. And kind of a cloudy day going, a little sunshine the rest of the afternoon. 51 the high down to 30 with clear skies tonight. A lot of sun tomorrow, high 45. Eagles with a, a nice win, 40 to 29 over in Orleans yesterday, although it was a little closer than it looked like it was going to be. It was 33 to 7, I think, in the third quarter. Saints rally, but they'd fallen too far behind to catch up. Eagles with that 40 to uh, 29 win. And uh, head coach Nick Sirianni talked about some takeaways from their victory. Yeah, I think it was a, a good physical game. That's something that we really wanted to do is be physical in this game. Uh, I thought our guys uh, really, really showed that. And, uh, and I just continue to see, you know, we've, we've told, you guys have asked me a little bit about identity, and I can just share with you uh, what we talked about our team. And I don't think it's about plays you call or defenses you call or special teams calls you call. Our team is close. It's a t- close-knit group of guys uh, that connect. You know, it's a physical group of guys, and it's a guys. It's guys that leave everything out there on the field, and so that's what we really talked about last night. Because you know, you guys have asked me a couple times about identity, and what I just wanted to say to them is like, hey, our, our identity is these three things that I just kind of mentioned right there, and so that was really on display today. Eagles head coach Nick Sirianni. You think scoring forty points might be enough? Uh, but in Jalen Hurts' case, their quarterback, he was actually kind of frustrated on a few things. I'm kind of frustrated. I'm really frustrated from the drives that we didn't score in the red zone that we, we should have. We had a few mental errors, um, a few things that we could have controlled that did not go. We could have controlled and it didn't happen. It, it, we didn't execute. And then it allowed them to come back into the game. We kept giving them good field position, um, and they scored. and. Um, it shouldn't even been that way, but nonetheless, um, I just think there's so much to learn from this game. Um, and there's a lot of good to take away from the game, too. Eagles starting quarterback Jalen Hurts, offensive lineman Lane Johnson, what he has seen working with the offensive line and how that's helped the Eagles win some games here. Yeah, I just think we practice, you know, uh, the season didn't start off how we wanted. A lot of penalties, a lot of, you know, not being synced together. And, you know, we preached, you know, about – doubling down on, on what we do and and finally started to turn at least the last couple of games so that's really it moving forward uh we got the giants so the division game so you know no games bigger than the next lane johnson of the eagles there also in football tonight you have the giants at tampa bay at 8 15 speaking of tampa bay the flyers are at tampa bay tomorrow night at seven uh, their most recent game over the weekend against the boston bruins they lost five two Head coach Alain Vigneault on that loss Saturday night. I mean, they definitely got momentum in that first period off their power play. You know, they made some real good plays, and uh, we got some great saves uh, by Jonesy. You know, unfortunately, they got that one at the end of the first, and then 
they got one on, on the first shift and the second. We got a little bit unfortunate there and went off Brownie's stick. But, you know, we found a way to tie the second period, made it a game, and they scored right away in the, in the beginning of the third on, on uh, you know, on a goal coming down the wing. I, I think if Jonesy's out a couple more feet, that it's a routine save. But uh, he got caught there a little bit. And, uh, you know, when you're down by two goals again to the Bruins, that's a tough team to come back. And we, we weren't able to get the job done. Flyers head coach Elian Vigneault after their loss Saturday. Again, they're at Tampa Bay tomorrow night. And the Sixers also lost over the weekend at Portland, 118-111. And their head coach, Doc Rivers, talked about that loss. To me, the difference is getting down by 18. Honestly, I thought in the first quarter we played well, moved the ball. I thought the second quarter, you know, hurt us just in the way they started playing. But we hung in there overall. You know, like we cut the lead by halftime, kind of got back into the game. You know, I didn't think we attacked them. It's funny, we shot 51% or, you know, 50.6. That's 51 for us. But I didn't think we had a smart offensive night. But this game really came down to May threes. It really is. A make miss league. I thought we got a lot of good looks overall. Uh, I thought we should have had more of them. That's where I was frustrated offensively. But it's just one of those games. Sixers head coach Doc Rivers. Again, they're at Sacramento tonight at 10. Today we're looking forward to a special program. A couple of pretty cool guests coming up. Kelsey Murphy is going to join us in just a little bit. Kelsey is winner of MasterChef Season 11 on Fox. And uh, we'll also be joined by local author Joe Henwood, who's actually done a lot of other things besides write a book. But the book he's put together is called Remembering a Great American Hero, Marian Anderson, the lady from Philadelphia. So both of those folks will be joining us this hour on the Tim DeMoss Show. Our text line's open if you want to send in a quick hello or whatever, just to text in. If you have a question, that, that line's always open at 610-500-DOVE, 610-500-3683. And our toll-free number to have handy for the times we do call-ins. You know, if we have an interview going, it's not usually going to be something we do calls, but we can do calls between things. Put that on your phone, too. It's 800-560-WFIL, 800-560-9345. Welcome your engagement, as it were. You're listening to AM560WFIL.com and on the app, Tim DeMoss Show. Thank you for tuning in. It's the Tim DeMoss Show podcast, available at WFIL.com. Thanks for listening. AM560WFIL, it's the Tim DeMoss Show. Very glad to continue on our program with Kelsey Murphy, winner of MasterChef Season 11 on Fox. How you doing, Kelsey? Hey, how are you? Wonderful. Congratulations to you. Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. So much fun. I love yeah. that. Yeah, awesome. I love a little backstory. Can you share what, what uh, planted the seed in your mind to give going out for MasterChef a shot in the first place? Yeah, honestly, it was my father-in-law who, um, you know, we're both big fans of the show and you know, at the end of season 10, they put on each episode, oh, if you're interested in trying out for the show, blah, blah, you know, like go online. And he honestly pulled out a computer and opened it up and said, like, you are going to submit your application right now. And I was like, that's silly. You know, like, I don't have time for that. I'll never get picked or anything. And six months later, I was on a flight out to L.A. So That's amazing. <laughs> um yeah, yeah, it's um I honestly I have to give him a lot of you know, a lot of credit for believing in me to that I could do it. 
Yeah. How about your impressions of MasterChef being a fan of it, watching it as a fan, obviously very different as it, than experiencing it, but was a, at least that gave you some prep to know what was, what was happening, but what hit you maybe that you weren't aware was going to be the case, like once you got on the set and all that? Um, just, you know, the time that it takes to film an episode is crazy. Um, you know, it's like a 14 to 16 hour day for each episode. Wow. So that really puts into perspective, just like how much work goes into the entire show. It's pretty amazing. And I, well, I say that, but also then I thought, oh, maybe the clock is not like, you know, maybe they, you know, stop the clock a little bit or Right, right. That, no, the, the the one hour time clock is one hour. Like that part of it is. There's no there's yeah. no added TV time or anything like that. It's um, it's really um, when you think of reality shows, you think of oh, a lot of it's scripted or this is. I mean, it's it's real. So I think right. that was one of the biggest surprises for me. That I was like, wow, this is a this is pretty legit. <laughs> That's something. But maybe now's the right time to give a quick shout out to, I guess, your family, right? Because they would have had to ride with you as, as exciting as the journey was. Your husband and kids are living without uh, their wife and mom for all this time that, you know, yeah. right? Yes, I know. My, I mean, I shout out to my husband for sure for, um, you know, taking the reins as, you know, working dad, taking care of, well, at that point, the two kids. Um, you know, getting them to and from daycares and taking care of them at night. And, yeah. um, you know, they really sacrificed a lot to let me follow this this dream that luckily paid off. But, you know, you don't go out there thinking that you're going to win. You know, it's more of just for the experience. And thankfully, it made it all worth it. So. Sure. Kelsey, you know, um, one of the things, I guess, about MasterChef is that those who go to, the, I guess, the open calls at the beginning and continue on to audition and hope to get on the show, they're supposed to be not professionals, right? There's a level of a, a kind of a level playing field going in. Right. And in essence, whatever you come to that point, like wherever you are in your life at that point, that's, that's your prep, uh, what you know going in. Once you got on the show, what did you do you know, between episodes to either crash course or have your family test you out and surprise you at home? All right, all right mom, this, here's your, to expand everything. I mean, I would just think that your mind goes wild with, you know, wanting to be ready for the next thing as best as you can in a short amount of time. Well, and that's kind of the hard part about it. So, you know, when you go out there, you're you're out there. So you go out to LA and then you film one episode a day. So you're just wow. you're just back to back to back. And we don't have access to our phones, we don't have access to the internet, you don't have access to anything. So uh-huh. you are really um, what you know is what you know. And that's that's basically it. Wow. There's, there's no yeah, you don't get to talk to anybody in your family. You know, like you can talk to the other contestants, but that's that's it. So, that's um, yeah, it's it's challenging, and so a lot of it does when you get on camera, or like when we are, we're faced with a challenge. There were many of those that I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, <laughs> like you just like you just don't know what you're doing, and you um, just have to kind of trust your gut and go with it. And yeah, you really have to have some sort of background to. That's amazing. Uh, not, yeah. Kel- yeah Kelsey, Kelsey Murphy's our guest on the Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL in Philadelphia, winner of MasterChef Season 11 on Fox. There's a lot of excitement and drama and intensity and fun on MasterChef. Were you able to stay grounded throughout the process, whether it's just being part of such a big thing in a, in a select group, getting to compete, and also in those high-pressure uh, situations? And, and where does that groundedness for you come from? 
Yeah, I luckily have um, a very competitive nature, and I work really well under pressure. Um, I think just growing up being an athlete my entire life, and it's just been something that I've always been able to do and succeed in, is working under pressure and keeping my cool. And I I honestly believe that that's kind of what separated me from the rest of the competition. I think all of us were really talented chefs and understood our own flavors. But when you're put in that kind of atmosphere under that pressure, you have to be able to handle it and you have to be able to, you know, keep your cool. And honestly, I think that's what got me as far as I did um, and kept me in the competition. Uh, I was just able to handle that and continue to produce high quality food um, without making any drastic mistakes. As far as learning on the show, two things about you know, cooking, baking, the overall experience, maybe one tip, like don't glaze your carrots till something. I don't, like, I don't know anything about it. And also about yourself. Like, what did you learn in, over those weeks that you were involved? So one of the best things I learned, honestly, was to use a, um, a cake tester to test your meat's doneness. So if, if you're cooking steak, if you use a cake tester and you pierce into the meat and then take it out and put it on like the inside of your wrist, if the um, metal is warm, that means your meat is medium rare, and it's it's done. If it's hot, it's overcooked, and if it's cold, it's not it's not done yet. Wow. Um, and that saves you from using a thermometer. Um, the meat thermometers are too um, thick that if you pierce the meat and then pull it out, the juices will run out. So that was one of the best things I learned um, for, like, testing my meat on, on camera to know if it was done. Interesting. And then, yeah, so that was – I love that little trick. And then um, – you know, for myself, I think, honestly, you know, I never, like, cooked five-star food, really, until I went on the show. And it really just showed me, it shows you kind of, like, what you're really capable of when you strip back everything. You take away all the variables. Um, you're not worried about your kids. You're not worried about your job. You're not worried about money. You're not worried about all those things. And you can really see, like, okay, what are you actually capable of and that's not just for cooking it goes to really anything if you um take away life other variables um i think it really shows us kind of like what each of us individually can accomplish um and so that really just kind of showed me like wow i have a lot to offer in this in this field i have more than i ever like thought i i could and i'm just getting this very unique experience to um have that time and space to really explore what I can do individually away from being a mom and a wife and a coworker and all of those things. So, you know, that's, it's one of the best gifts you can be given. That's neat. Kind of just, yeah. Yeah, for sure. And maybe along with that, and I'm sure you're talking to a lot of folks today, just um, at what point did you go from being say cook Kelsey Murphy to chef Kelsey Murphy? Cause there's a lot of words that can be used in conjunction with cooking, baking, all that stuff. And do you think of yourself, I am now Chef Kelsey Murphy, so to speak? Yeah, yeah. I think there was there was a kind of a clear delineation. Um, and I think it really happened after we had like a two-part filming because we had to break for seven months for the pandemic and yeah. then go back out there to film. And I think after I returned back, after like the first few challenges, I really thought, okay, like I I really believe that this is what I'm meant to do. And what I what I should be doing, because I don't I don't know why there was just kind of like a, a point in the competition where I realized, like, OK, no, like this is not just because of 
me studying really hard or, you know, anything <laughs> yeah. like that. I was like, no, this is actually just like innate in me that I can, I can do these things yeah. um, and be really good at them. So that's great. Um, yeah. I, I, with a, with a lot of pride and I'll consider myself like a chef. That's amazing. Well, that, and congratulations to you on that. And in fact, I understand you're going from your PT field. I have fam- we have family uh, who has PTs and OTs and all that, and they're good okay, cooks, yeah. but they're not chefs necessarily officially. But uh, you're actually moving in that direction too, right? That's pretty exciting. I am. It's very exciting. It's a little scary, um, but it's it's been really fun, and I'm really grateful to have the opportunity to to do that. And if for some reason I completely fail, I always have a PT career to to fall back on, but hopefully I will not need that. I'm really excited about about what's to come, and um, hopefully I can produce something really good. That's excellent. Kelsey Murphy, our guest today on the Tim DeMoss Show, winner of Master Chef Season 11 on Fox, uh, at Chef Kelsey Murphy on Instagram, right? They can follow you there, too. Yes, they can. Very good. Congratulations, Kelsey. Thanks for taking time today. Thank you. I appreciate it. Have a great day. Bye-bye. You, too. Bye-bye. Kelsey Murphy, winner of MasterChef Season 11, which airs on Fox, joining us on the Tim DeMoss Show today. In a moment, we're going to switch gears and go local with Joe Henwood. He's an author, and he's put together a book called Remembering a Great American Hero, Marian Anderson, the lady from Philadelphia. That's next on the Tim DeMoss Show and WFIL. Thanks for tuning in to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast with AM560 WFIL and WFIL.com. 425 on the Tim DeMoss Show is mentioning about some of the contests we have going. One of them is kind of a contest slash feature. Each month we feature a different ministry, hence it's called Ministry of the Month, where it's kind of about a contest because you can win stuff or sometimes just get things free automatically. And it's also to shine a light on a different ministry each month. So this time around in November, it's In Touch with Dr. Charles Stanley at seven days a week at 8.30 a.m., Every weekday, we're actually giving away a couple of prizes. Dr. Stanley's brand new book, When You Don't Know What to Pray, 100 Essential Prayers for Enduring Life Storms, and his latest devotional, Can You Still Trust God? What Happens When You Choose to Believe? You also have a 17-item grand prize in there, uh, books, CDs, a journal, NIV Bible, mugs, scripture cards, the uh, whole catastrophe. So if you want to enter to win, you can do so right on our homepage. At WFIL.com, it's In Touch with Dr. Charles Stanley each weekday morning at 8.30. It also plays at 1.30 a.m. if you're up late or working that shift. Uh, we are glad to bring on board. Uh, and before I do that, actually, one quick uh, congratulations. Bruce in Thorndale, Rose in Willow Grove, Cipriana in Philly, Mary Ellen in Upper Holland, Margie in Elverson, and Rita in Southampton, New Jersey, among those who have won so far this month. Just doing a few shout-outs in conjunction with that ministry of the month. Uh, we are glad to bring on board. And if you've been, you know, you live long enough, uh, things come around full circle sometimes. And uh, such is the case right now with a, a longtime friend who I've not talked to in quite some time. And uh, his name is Joe Henwood. Uh, Joe Henwood, welcome aboard our fine broadcast. Hi, Tim. How are you been? Good to hear your voice again. In a long time. Thank you. Yeah, we've uh, crossed paths, I guess, close to 20 years ago when you were working at City Team, right down in Chester, is it, if I remember correctly? That's correct, and they're still going strong. Okay, and uh, and I think also with some of the prayer breakfasts you were working over in Valley Forge, if I remember correctly? Oh, the Valley Forge Leadership Prayer Breakfast, we just had that about uh, two weeks ago. Yeah, okay. it was the 27th annual I, the last time I was at one of those, I'm trying to remember who it was, 
uh, it was a, a, a governor in Pennsylvania or somebody was there that time who has since passed. Uh, and I can't remember who it was. That was like 15 years ago for me. Last time I was there that we saw each other in person. Well, so, I'm going to have to invite you to sit at my table next year then. All right. That's fair. What do you, so, so we have you on today, partly and this show exists each weekday, four to five for a number of reasons. And one is just simply for a local angle on things. And mm-hmm. I got a little piece of PR on a book that you've written and an appearance happening tomorrow in media. We want to talk about in a minute. But uh, yeah. what are you doing in general these days w- with regard to date your day-to-day? Well, I, um, I was enjoying retirement until uh, two years ago at the tender age of 73. <laughs> <laughs> then when COVID set in, uh, I decided, well, what am I going to do? And I got interested in a very famous, iconic Philadelphian who I knew about in passing, but uh, I really didn't know until I started investigating her life. Okay. And uh, that person is uh, Marion Anderson, the greatest contralto opera singer ever to sing on the stage. Singing was only about 10% of who she was, Tim. She was the whole package. She was a, a solid Christian lady, uh, a humanitarian, very generous, extremely humble. And the reason we are forgetting about her now is because she was so humble. She did so many things quietly and anonymously just because she felt that was what the Lord wanted her to do. And wow. she, she was the full package, yes. Well, tomorrow at 2 in the afternoon, you're going to be at Middletown Free Library on Old Middletown Road and Media to do yeah. a, kind of a t- talk about what that's about, and let's talk about Mary and herself and the, and the book that you've written. Okay, well, tomorrow is a, uh, a public presentation at the library. It'll be an interactive presentation with video and me flapping my gums for a while. Okay. It starts at 2 o'clock, and it will probably go until 3.30. A lot of people know about her, but a lot of people don't. And uh, in my view, she was the most significant Philadelphian and celebrated Philadelphian of the 20th century. Back in the 40s, 50s, and 60s, her name was a household word throughout the country and most of the world. Marian Anderson, and what's the name of the book before I go any further? The name of the book is Remembering a Great American Hero, Marian Anderson, the lady from Philadelphia. Okay, and how did she get on your radar in the first place as far as enough to want to write a biography? Well, uh, every year since 1998, there's been an event at the Kimmel Center uh, called the Marian Anderson Awards. And it is a marvelous event, and I decided in 2018 I was going to go to it, and lo and behold, the last minute was canceled. Uh, but in the meantime, I had started doing some research, Internet research on Marian Anderson. Okay. And what I found out, Tim, was that I couldn't believe everything I was finding that this person had done. I, I just couldn't believe it. It was unbelievable. She lived for about a century, from 1897 until 1993. She was originally from South Philadelphia, 19th and Fitzwater. And uh, she, she, uh, she did so much. And I, I, I said, I said to my, a couple of people, I had two people I was working with. And uh, I said, I don't know how I can figure this out, if this is all true or not. And so one of the people I was working with was my brother, Jim, who was a, uh, he's a retired homicide detective in Philadelphia. Wow. Yeah, and so, and the other fellow I was working with has since passed on, but 
both of them said, well, if you can't, if you're trying to figure it all out, construct a timeline. That's a basic investigative tool that lawyers and and police and a lot of people use when they're trying to put together, a, a, you know, a, a story. Right. And so I started with her timeline starting on her birthday, uh, February 27, 1897, and worked it all the way through to when she died in April 8, uh, 1993. And then until 2020, when uh, the, the U.S. Treasury Department said they were going to print new $5 bills, with she, Marion Anderson, and Eleanor Roosevelt on the back. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And, and so uh, that really got my attention. And that, by the way, mostly, almost everything that I had found out about her fit the timeline. And that made me a big believer in her. Sure. Folks, just tuning in, we're chatting with Joey Henwood. He's a longtime friend. Our circles have pa- crossed, paths have crossed many times before. And most recently, just uh, get an email from Joe every now and again and did not know you were working on this book, Remembering a Great American Hero, Marian Anderson, the lady from Philadelphia who lived almost 100 years old and has quite a story. It's very local. Her parents were, I guess, uh, local and, and her dad worked at the Reading Terminal for a while, I think. But there are yeah. a lot of obstacles, too, right? like with uh, just just some of the things I understand, just specifically on the racial lines of things and all the stuff that she was denied or her family was denied and all of that. Just touch on a couple of the main things that impressed you about Marian Anderson's life and, and some of the obstacles she had to overcome. Well, she was a very uh, courageous, brave Christian woman, and she she sang in nine in opera in, in I'm sorry concerts. In nine different languages, she could sing. No way! Wow. And she could, yeah, and she could speak five of them fluently. And this is a poor black girl from South Philly, uh, born in 1897. In 1910, her father got uh, killed in an industrial accident while they were building the Reading Railroad Terminal. Wow. And and this the family was thrown into abject poverty at that time. They had to move in with the grandparents and. Uh, it was just a real rough time, and Marion, after after middle school, wound up having to uh, quit school for a while to to work, scrub steps, do domestic chores, and uh, to help support the family of being the oldest of three girls. She uh, she set the example. She set the pace. It took her in order to get through middle school and then high school. She didn't graduate from high school until she was twenty four years old. Okay, really? because she she was doing a lot of singing gigs, and she was singing in churches and traveling to sing for a living, and uh, that was what she had to do. So she had to put her education on the back burner in order to raise money for the family. Anyway, she graduates at the age of 24, and what really got my attention, Jim, is even though she didn't graduate till late in life, and she was embarrassed about that, but she went on to earn over 50 honorary doctorate degrees from major universities around the world. Every year from 1938 until her death, she was was invited to be the guest speaker at uh, college and university commencements all over the world. So that that in itself is an extraordinary accomplishment. Oh, for sure. That's that's mind-boggling. Marian Anderson is the person we're talking about. Joe Henwood's our guest. 
The book is called Remembering a Great American Hero, Marian Anderson, the Lady from Philadelphia. And tomorrow afternoon at 2, Joe's going to be at Middletown Free Library, 464 South Old Middletown Road in Media for kind of a presentation and interactive dialogue and all that sort of thing. Uh, and you're welcome to go to that. You're certainly welcome just to look up the book, which the book is out already or will be. Is it? it it's been out uh, since January of this year, Tim. Okay. So it is, it's available if you just Google the title, uh, Remembering a Great American Hero, Marian Anderson. Uh, you'll find it all over the Internet, Google, Barnes & Noble, yeah. All, all the uh, places where you can buy books. Well, and again, uh, folks tuning in, when we do this show each day, we have a cross-section of guests. Some are national, some are regional, some are local, some are you know uh, pastors, and some are authors, and all kinds of walks of life under the guise of, uh, really under uh, John 3.16, for God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And kind of with that as the umbrella verse, probably the most well-known one in Scripture, to me, everyone's fascinating because if Jesus came to die for the, for each person in the world, you know, you still have to accept it. But that that means each person matters; it has intrinsic value made in God's image. And so, the stories everywhere, and and some are certainly maybe perhaps more compelling than others. But at the same time, that that's why some of the t- folks we'll have on the program, I, I'm not sure if a person's a believer or not, but I'll look for common ground. In a case like this, I, when I was reading about the, the book you wrote, Joe, and and Marian Anderson's life. Uh, and the fact that I think her parents built a church or are part of building a church, like I was, I wonder, you know, I wonder if a woman like this, who's so amazing, what role her faith played in being able to deal with the racism that she dealt with, or, or like when she applied. I think I read she applied um, to go to the, uh, what was the school after high school, a Philadelphia Music Academy, which yeah. is all all white, right, and then got denied. So I'm guessing her faith played a very very integral role in her music and in how she proceeded through life and all the tragedy, losing her dad. I think her grandfather passed away early too, after she had just moved in and all that. So what did you find out about her faith and and how that pertained to to everything she did? Well, uh, she was probably the most uh, outgoing Christian of the day. She would sing her operas and her concerts in these various languages, singing in German, leader, French, Italian, uh, Spanish, she could sing it all. She would sing these these uh, operas, and at the end of every opera, she would always sing her African-American spirituals, which was her way of giving testimony to her Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Hmm. And no matter where she was in the world, when she, was, when she sang on the stage, she not only had the, uh, the the voice of the century, as it was said by uh, Arturo Tuscanini in 1935, but she would testify to the Lord Jesus Christ. And in, I have a little side story, if I have time to tell it to you right yeah, now. Yeah, go, sure, sure. In 1935, 34, sorry, uh, it was a very tough time. She was in, in Germany and Austria. And most of Europe, all over Europe, France, England, uh, Scandinavia, were very uh, fine and very tolerant, and it, it was no problem. Being it, it was, she had a good existence over there. But when she got to Germany and Austria in the 1920s and uh, 30s, they were uh, they, they were uh, trying to block out blacks and Jews. Hmm. I mean, they want the super race just to be there. And she uh, she didn't get invited to come to the big music festival in Salzburg in 1934 because she was black. 
and uh, because they were afraid that she was going to sing her uh, spirituals, which would be uh, not something they wanted to hear because they were trying to stamp out all religion with the uh, fascists and the Nazis. Yeah. So she gets, she, she decided, like she always did, she just showed up. She, she took herself, she took herself to, uh, let me get rid of this. <laughs> yeah, she, she took herself to uh, Salzburg and, and, and went to the music festival and uh, she sang in a, uh, in a small auditorium in the first night there, uninvited by the sponsors. And uh, then two nights later, she sang in a hotel and it was packed with all the music artists who were glad she was there because they were all trying to uh, fight the uh, the fascists also. Wow. And so she, two nights after that, she went and she sang in the largest venue in uh, Salzburg, and it was packed with German Nazi <laughs> fascist detectives watching her. They told her that if you, if you come here and if you sing your spirituals, we're going to lock you up. Is they tried to intimidate her, and this is this is reminiscent of the Sound of Music uh, movie. You remember? Oh, uh, sure. With, with the kids and and the the cops in the audience yes. watching them. Right. That's what she had. That's what she was facing. Exactly what she was facing. Several years before that, and so uh, she she said fine. So, but she came and she sang her spirituals anyway. <laughs> Wow. To a packed audience, and she got rave reviews. And during that one appearance in Salzburg, there's a, uh, the world's leading music personality was a conductor named Arturo Toscanini, who a lot of people have heard of. Arturo Toscanini comes up to her at the intermission and embraces her and said, what I heard tonight, one is only privileged to hear once in a hundred years. And that... That mantra stuck with her, and that she became the Anderson fairy tale at that point. It, it really helped her career take off. But she stayed in in Austria, and she she didn't come home until 1937. In fact, she was in Berlin when uh, Jesse Owens was there for the 1936 Olympics, uh, winning four gold medals and putting Hitler and all the Nazis to shame. Wow. And he, he's walking around with a target on his back, but he had protection. Myron Anderson was walking around with a target on her back with no protection. And wow. she was just a marvelous, brave, courageous Christian woman. And she knew that if God was on her side, she had nothing to worry about. Nothing to worry about. You just tuned in, Joe Henwood, our guest today on the Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. He's written a book called Remembering a Great American Hero, Marion Anderson, the Lady from Philadelphia. It's a biography, and you can be at the, uh, if you want to, the Middletown Free Library tomorrow from around 2 o'clock and, and on, uh, 464 South Old Middletown Road in media for a presentation of it, uh, uh, multimedia or engagements, and uh, just a chance to dialogue about it, too. And it, it sounds like you could probably be there all afternoon, uh, you know, as long as you want to stay. And, and Joe, you sound like you, you've researched a labor of love. You've done all this, and, and it's really on your heart to be able to share about such an amazing Woman who, my understanding also, she she toured and she go sing to the troops or you know help encourage the troops in, in World War II. And I think I read she uh, she sung she was at the inaugurations of Eisenhower and Kennedy. And I mean, <laughs> this is a well traveled woman who's who's uh, you know so. Tim, she sang at the request of every president from Roosevelt 
to Bush, Bush Sr. No way. Wow. Uh, she was invited as a personal guest to come visit at the White House many times by every president from Roosevelt to Bush. And also all the heads of state, kings and queens all over Europe, all over the world. And when she went to Australia, which was is a uh, United Kingdom uh, country, I guess, part of the, the, uh, king, the United Kingdom, yeah. she went down there and uh, at the age of 65, at the end of her career, and the newspaper in Melbourne did an interview, and the, the, the reporter said, having an audience with Marian Anderson is like having an audience, a private audience, with the royal head, and meaning the king or queen of England. Wow. And they said that if there was such an appointment in the United States, she would definitely uh, be the, uh, the queen of the United States. And she was very regal and very, very godly and humble. Hmm. And she was extremely well-spoken, you know, of course, speaking five languages, you have to know how to talk. Yeah. yeah. And very and, Philadelphian, and I understand she's, she's buried locally, too. She was away, but came back in, in the end, so to speak. Yeah. She's, uh, she's buried right here in Delaware County, in uh, Collingdale Borough, at a place called Eden Cemetery, which is a uh, predominantly black cemetery. And uh, she's buried uh, right as the main, you go in the main entrance on the left-hand side, you see the Anderson family gravestone there. Yeah. You can't miss it. What really put her on the map, Tim, was her concert in 1939 at the Lincoln Memorial. Uh, after she came back from Europe, you know, she was designated as a, a part of the royalty of European music. That's what they call her over there. And she came back, she sang in the White House at the request of the Roosevelts in a private ceremony. She was the first black to sing in the White House in 1936. And she became very close friends with Eleanor Roosevelt. Well, turns along, time goes along, and then in Washington, there was a big demand to have Marion Anderson sing in a, in a concert venue in Washington. And there was, but Washington at the time was very much Jim Crow and very Southern, and uh, the biggest concert hall in town was Constitutional Hall, and they could seat 4,500 people. And they could, but they couldn't get Constitutional Hall. They 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 blocked her out of there. And that Constitutional Hall was owned by the Daughters of the American Revolution, the DAR. When it became known that the, the DAR and Constitutional Hall would not let her sing there, Eleanor Roosevelt, who was a member, resigned in protest, as did a few thousand other members from the DAR resigned. Mm -hmm. I have friends uh, whose mothers were DAR members who resigned. And uh, so Eleanor Roosevelt uh, and, and Franklin uh, got her uh, the uh, permission to sing on the steps of a Lincoln Memorial on the National Mall on Easter Sunday, 1939, April 9th, 1939. And she uh, sang live solo concert on the steps of the Lincoln Memorial to a crowd the largest crowd they had ever had on the mall. It was considered a protest uh, concert, actually. Yeah. And uh, there were 75,000 people who showed up live. Isn't that something? Isn't that something? Totally integrated audience, everything. Everything she wanted. Inter totally integrated. 75,000 with millions of people listening on the radio. 
live radio, millions. And she started out, and all she did was sing. She didn't speak. She All she did was sing. She started out with uh, one of the America uh, song renditions where my country tis of the sweet land of liberty. And uh, she went through that first song, and uh, that song was being listened to by uh, none less than a 10-year-old boy in 1939 named Martin Luther King. And 23 years later, 24 years later, at the national, at the, the protest uh, they had on the mall, where he gave his I Have a Dream speech, he recited the exact same lyrics that he heard Marion Anderson sing. He didn't sing it, but he, in his closing remarks, he said, my country is of these, sweet land of liberty, and went through the, all the lyrics of that song that he memorized from the time he was a 10-year-old boy. Marion Anderson had a profound impact on Martin Luther King. And wow. Was there at the time, yeah. Wow, that's a great. That's, that's considered to him by by the historians as the, the beginning of the modern civil rights era. That is really amazing, Joe. I mean, that's it, it, this must have been fascinating for you. You thought you knew what you were getting into, maybe as you wrote this book. Folks, just tuning in, Joe Henwood's on our guest today on the Tim DeMoss Show. He's a longtime friend, and we haven't talked for quite some time, but I just learned about this book he's written, uh, Remembering a Great American Hero, Marian Anderson, the lady from Philadelphia, who uh, technically, well, if she's an opera singer. Is that, is, how do you describe her? Uh, she was, a, she was a, a concert singer. Concert singer, okay. She sang in one opera, and that was at the Metropolitan Opera in, in January of 1955, and she was the first black ever to sing in the Metropolitan Opera in New York. And that's like the pinnacle of uh, opera houses. Wow. But her voice could do, I mean, so she's considered a a concert singer, and that can mean different things depending on what the situation needs, perhaps. Exactly, yeah. Well, operas are usually uh, musical shows, and and there's acting and singing and everything. And she she just, all she ever did was concerts by herself, solo, with an, a piano accompanist, singing with a, just the instrument of her voice. Joe Henwood, our guest on the Tim DeMoss Show today, remembering a great American hero, Marian Anderson, the lady from Philadelphia, the book. And you talked about it a bit during our conversation, but just reiterate, if you would, or just share a little bit more about how her faith came into play with regard to the, the broad span of her life. My understanding is she grew up in a Christian home, and uh, and that would have certainly helped in terms of shaping the person she was and became. Her, her parents were, they really enriched her. They were good Christian people, and they uh, they really encouraged her, her gift. They knew it was a gift, and, and Marion always knew that her voice was a gift from God. Like uh, evangelists, you know, they want to share their faith. Yeah. And, uh, but, and the way she shared was with her voice. But she knew it was a gift from God, from God and she used it for that. Joe Henwood, kind enough to hang out with us this afternoon on the Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL tomorrow afternoon at 2. He's at the Middletown Free Library, 464 South Old Middletown Road Media, to talk about this book that he's written, Remembering a Great American Hero, Marian Anderson, the lady from Philadelphia. Joe, thank you so much for spending some time with us today and uh, helping the WFIL audience get a better appreciation of this local and national and worldwide treasure. Well, thank you very much, Tim. It's good to catch up with you after all this time, and I appreciate the opportunity. And uh, if people come tomorrow, I am not going to have books there, but they can get the book on Amazon 
or Barnes & Noble or any of the bookstores online. Very good. Thank you, my Thank friend. You Don't make it so long next time. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds good. All right. I'll take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Joe Henwood on the Tim DeMoss Show today on WFIL. Fascinating uh, story about the life of Marian Anderson. So uh, we're glad to present that to you as part of our program today. Quick break. Still a little something to wrap up with in just a little bit. It's Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. Have a guest you'd like to hear on the Tim DeMoss Show on AM560 WFIL? Email D at WFIL.com. It's 4.54 the Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. Let's see. A lot of ground to cover in the last couple of minutes here. First of all, I have a, a lovely box of stuff in front of me. It has all that packing material on top of it. And it's chock full of prizes in-house. But not for long because we want to give them away. Talking about Sarah Groh's new CD. It's called What Makes It Through. We're making a bunch of winners of that new CD. Also, a couple of grand prize winners, which will also include her Abide With Me CD, her Joy of Every Longing Heart CD, and a mug, and uh, assorted sticker pages. Stickers are fun and good. So we have those to give away, and we're going to be playing uh, some of the clip we had, uh, not today, but in the days to come, we'll be playing some of the interview we had with Sarah uh, a couple of weeks back leading into the release of her brand new CD. So that's one of the things you can enter to win, Sarah's new CD. She's probably, if I had to make a Mount Rushmore of sorts of my favorite artists of songs that have influenced me the most in my lifetime, she would be very close, if not on that Mount Rushmore. I think she probably is. And uh, there are a lot of, and that's, that's stiff competition for that. Uh, it's kind of a fun show one day for us to maybe tackle that. So anyhow, that's one of the prizes we have there. Uh, we also have Apologetics, their new CD, Never Before, but then again, they're a, a Christian parody band. They do songs from all the decades, basically from the 50s through the present, and all kinds of styles. The current CD, Never Before But Then Again, features songs from the 80s, and there's scripture passages for each parody in the CD liner notes. Uh, it's kind of, they're often called the Weird Al meets Billy Graham, Weird Al Yankovic meets Billy Graham, uh, 63 parody CDs that you can look up. Uh, just fun to listen to, perhaps if you're leading the Bible study or or whatever else, it's another way of adding to that or, or to add to your, uh, you know, you're preaching a sermon. We had the book Blindsided on a more serious subject. It's a book by Mark Roser, who's a missionary and a church planner, and he lost his son, Ethan, at age 19 in a freak accident. He was volunteering for a, a, a field and track day kind of thing, and a hammer hit him in the head. And uh, it's the story of processing all of that, losing your beloved son, and um, what God has done in and through that and still does. And it's a, it, the book was actually so full of depth that I um, it took me a couple months to read all of it and take notes because I really wanted to not have a, uh, you know, I wanted to really have a good interview with Mark. And we had him on the program. We've aired a time or two since then just because I think it's worth the encouragement that you can get from it. Uh, so imagine losing your son. Uh, to, and, and, you know, they, they say you... you Expect your mom or dad to go before you, but to lose your child is another thing altogether. And um, so anyhow, that book is called Blindsided, A Journey from Tragic Loss to Triumphant Love. We're giving that away for the next week or two still. And you can win the copy of that and be encouraged. I encourage you to, to look it up and perhaps go get it on your own. Something that can help you and it's applicable. You don't have to have lost a child to benefit from it, but you certainly could. So those are some of the things that we're doing on our site now. Mentioned the Christmas Mortgage Miracle. 
And we have another trip going these days to see for King and Country, their Drummer Boy Christmas concert in Atlanta, where my son flew this morning. My son Toby going to visit some friends. He's going to be in a wedding in Arkansas this weekend. And so I took him to the airport very early this morning, too early for my liking. But it's always good to be with my son. So uh, anyhow, CDs, apparel, trip for two, accommodations, all that part of the For King and Country Christmas Experience sweepstakes. That's just a tiny bit of what's happening. So I, I, I point you again to our site at WFIL.com. Have fun. Enter these contests. And even if you don't, you can learn about some of the stuff going on. You know, like that blindsided book. Maybe you just want to go buy it and start reading it. You don't have to wait to see if you win it or not. Excuse me. Anyway, uh, thank you to Joe Henwood who just joined us talking about his uh, book. Remembering a great American hero, Marian Anderson, the lady from Philadelphia, and also Kelsey Murphy, winner of MasterChef Season 11, joined us earlier in the hour. Ah, time to, I don't know what, relax, exhale, get a glass of water if nothing else. Alistair Beck, Truth For Life, coming up next. Thanks for listening. God bless you. We'll look forward to doing it again tomorrow. Thanks for listening to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. Feel free to tune in to the full show each weekday afternoon from 4 to 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.